All right, well, that was good. That was, that was, that was fun. Yeah, that's my boy. All right. So, I'm not saying anybody else is less significant. But that's my boy over there on the drums. So, very proud of that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, we are having this thing called Chicken Shoe to Go. What will happen is people from the community will come and park in this parking lot. They will get on a tractor ride and go around to the trunk or treats in the field. And then they'll get off over here and they'll get their chicken stew and their hot dogs and they'll go home. So this is on October the 24th. It's from 4 to 8 p.m. And what we need is that we need some people to volunteer to help out with that. Um, if we don't have volunteers, it's we're not going to be able to do it. So the way you volunteer is either you just hand me a sheet of paper that says my name is and then I want to serve blah, blah, blah. Or you go to your church app and you go to the registration portion. It says events and you register to help out with that. So that's the two ways you can do that. Um, if you want to send an email, that, that's fine as well. But um, but that's how you can sign up. So it's it's Parker's. It's it's serving food. It's trunks. It's driving tractors. I mean, it's, it's that simple. So very excited about that happening. And so sign up for that. Um, everybody doing good? Everybody, everybody doing well? Yeah? Enjoying the cooler temperatures? Yeah? Just to let you know, it's not fall yet. Um, that's a little bit later. But, um, but it feels like fall. It's really nice not to be in the 90s or even the 80s or even the humidity. It's, it's nice for all that to be kind of gone for a little while. All right, um, this morning, uh, the title of the message is You Are My Kephel. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to um, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 is where we'll start with this. And we'll begin reading with verse 8. With verse 8. <clears throat> so Ephesians chapter 1. Begin reading with verse 8. So, which he, in verse 8, that's God the Father, lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is very important in that verse. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on the earth. That particular word unite is Anna Kelfel, which is this word right here. And it, it's made up of two words. Anna means return and Kelfel means head. So Anna meaning return means that Jesus Christ and God the Father wanted to return us to something. So that, that's the meaning. Um, and so, and so Anna Kephel. And in verse 10, it says, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. So he wanted to unite just a few things that he had picked out. No. All things, right? It says all things in the verse, all things, heaven and earth, 
all things in himself. And it seems, it is, from the scripture that Jesus Christ is the unifier and he's the head. That particular word, kelfel, is used in, in scripture 76 times. 56 times it's used of actually the head of an animal, um, the head of a human. It, it's used as a physical head. The other times that it's used in scripture, it's used metaphorically of a head, like authority. And here, I think it's, it's used of authority. So if we can go to Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through that in there? Yeah. So this is what it says in Colossians. It says, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So he is the head, he is the authority. So if we were to draw this circle and say Christ, that's Christ. He's the head over everything. He is what we look to to unify everything. This means that Jesus Christ is unifying governments, nations, peoples, tongues under his authority. He's uniting everything that is disgruntled and everything that is, that is fractured. Jesus Christ is uniting everything up underneath him. He has been given the authority to unite all of those things. This means that Jesus Christ is the uniter of relationships, friendships, family relationships, and marriage relationships. Jesus Christ, as the center, has been given the power to unite all those things to himself. Now, look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. It says this, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, Christ. So we hear the truth that is spoken to us, and we grow up in Christ. It's part, part of him being the head. It's part of us being under him in all things. Now, keeping that whole united thing, and Jesus Christ is the uniter, and he has the power and the authority to do that in mind, Keep that in mind as we play with this particular um, non-bright chair. All right, so here we go. Let's sit here, hold it. Hmm. Oh, this is a this is a nice chair. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. Hello. You ready? I did. Thank you very much. I needed. I'm I'm a little warm. Could you could you can you fix that for me? Thank you. Hmm. Oh, it's it's great. Well, it feels really good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, um, can you pause a moment and bring me my Bible? I need my Bible for the next thing. Please, please bring that over to me. Thank you. I need my Bible. Mm-mm. No, I don't need the notes. It wouldn't make sense anyway. So can you, I, I'm still a little hot. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Now, if you flip over to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, 
when we're thinking about kelfe, meaning head and, and all that kind of stuff, this is what it says. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything, in everything to their husbands. Now, when we start talking about submission, the culture has caused many people to interpret the Bible a certain way. And this is the picture that you get from culture. That somehow or another, my wife is supposed to do that. And when I snap, she's supposed to come and serve me and bring me lukewarm water, which there's scripture in the Bible about how this is just something you spew out of your mouth. But nonetheless... Lukewarm water. It, and so this is the picture that you get. So what happens with women is that women get very uptight over this picture. And so they get all riled up. And, and so they don't want this to happen. So they start standing up against their husbands. And this is what happens. Here's, here's your drink cup. So this is what happens. All of a sudden, women get so upset over this whole submission thing that they decide that this is really how it should be and they are not going to be told what to do and they're going to run their homes and their husbands are going to do whatever they want them to do uh, because they wear the pants and, and the husband doesn't, right? So this is not right either. Scripturally, me sitting in that chair is not correct just like if the woman tries to gain control of the home, this isn't right either. Scripture does not teach this. It does not teach the other. Okay? All right. You can, you can leave now. <laughs> you can help me up. Okay, yeah. I'll help you up. All right. Good job. Good job. So e Ephesians. So what, what does this, what does this um, submission mean then? What does this submission mean? Um, can you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3? And this is what it says. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of every woman is man. So if I was to put this up here, I'd put another circle right here and put man here. Right? And the head of every man is Christ. And then it says that the head of every woman, and I'm just going to initial that the head of every woman is the man, but this it doesn't end there. The script, scripture doesn't end there. It says the head of Christ is God. So that is God the Father. So right here we have a circle, and we have God the Father, and the head of Christ is God the Father. Now let me pause here a moment. Okay, we believe in the Trinity because the Bible teaches the Trinity. This means that Christ is equal to God the Father in every way. 
This means that Christ is just as valuable as God the Father in every way. In fact, we would say scripturally, I mean, there would be scripture behind this, that Christ is the same as God the Father, has the same attributes as God the Father, thinks like God the Father, is the same being as God the Father. We would say, because scripture says it, that Christ is equal to God the Father. Christ is just as valuable to God the Father. But in scripture, Christ, who is equal and who is just as valuable, submits to God the Father. Christ, the head of Christ, according to this verse, is God the Father. Now, there's, there's a place in Scripture where Jesus is saying, man, Lord, God, Father, I really don't want to go to the cross. I, I'm feeling it. I don't want, I, I just... Is there any other way to do this? Is there any other way to save mankind other than me going down the road of, of this, this pain, this, this cross, the, the whole thing I'm about to go through? And then he says these words, but not my will, but yours be done. And at that moment, Christ decided to follow God the Father. So, but I want you to know the head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is man. The head of Christ is God. We would not say that Christ is not equal to God or Christ is not the same as God. Now, when you get here, when you get to man and Christ, we would have to say that there is a major difference between a man and Jesus Christ, right? Uh, Man is not God. Um, Man is not equal to God the Father. Um, They're total different beings. Uh, There's more power here than there is here. Uh, Man is not equal to Christ. In fact, man bows down and worships Christ. Man actually follows what Christ wants him to do. There there is something different about man than it is Christ. But here's, here's the cool thing. You and I, as believers, can walk into the throne room of God, the Father, at any moment and talk to God the Father like Jesus Christ talks to God the Father. We can boldly approach the throne. We can boldly do that because Jesus Christ has died to save us from our sins. And we are able to boldly walk in and ask any petition that we want to God the Father. It is, it is a prayer thing. It is absolutely incredible. So, so we can talk to God the Father like Christ, but we're not equal to Christ. So when you get to this one and the head of the woman is man, well, the last time I checked... Woman, a woman is a human. There's nobody married to a monkey in here, is there? Like somehow in that process, something happened, was left behind, you're not married to a monkey, right? Right? Nobody's married. So, so a woman is human. And there is an equal value here. A woman is very valuable and a man is very ba- valuable. This submission thing has nothing to do with value. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with, for some reason, God has said that God the Father is the head of Christ, Christ is the head of man, and man is the head of woman. That means Christ is woman's head, Christ is man's authority. God the Father is Christ's authority. That is how it goes. And so when we submit, 
We are submitting to man. We're submitting, man is submitting to Christ. Christ is submitting to God, the Father. It's a submission. It's a submission deal, and it's equal. Um, Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 10 says this. Oh, I didn't put that scripture up there, did I? Yeah. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 9 says this. Having this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, which, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. So he did not think that equality with God was something to be grasped. He emptied himself and became obedient. What if submission means that the woman, the wife, empties herself for the benefit of the man and the whole family? What if it's the woman decides to empty herself in such a way that she benefits not only the man, but she also shows her submission and reverence for Christ. What if the woman empties herself for her husband, empties herself? It's not that she empties herself of her thought processes because they're needed in marriage. It's not that she empties herself of her intellect because that's needed in marriage. It's not that she empties herself of her abilities and giftedness because that's needed in marriage. But what if she emptied herself of this desire to be in control of the man? What if she did that? What would happen? Would that change a marriage? Would it change the way um, that... A woman lives with a man. Um, what if you emptied yourself out for your husband? What if you submitted? What if you did that like the Bible says? So let's, un let's unpack this a few moments. Let's unpack this a few moments. Uh, Colossians 3.18 says this. Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting to the Lord. Now, let me start off by telling you when you don't have to submit to your husband. Is that cool? You interested in that? Like, you're really like, yeah. Let, let me know that because I need to know that this week when we interact with each other so I could know when I'm not supposed to submit to the husband. Let me, let me show you. So, wives, submit to your husband as fitting in the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, unto the Lord. So, here's the deal. If your husband says that you should do something that Jesus Christ says that you should not do, and he goes in a total different direction than you, than Christ, that is the moment that you bypass the man and submit to Christ. For instance, if he tells you, okay, this is what I want you to do, honey. We need to pay our mortgage, so why don't you steal a little bit from your company so we can pay our mortgage? That is the moment you don't submit to him. You don't submit to him when he tells you to do something or, or goes in a direction that you cannot go in because Jesus Christ wouldn't go in that direction. Is everybody cool? Because what needs to happen is you follow your husband as your husband follows Christ. If your husband is not following Christ, you do not need to follow everything that he's doing. 
you need to follow Christ and pray that he comes back to where he is following Christ. That is what you do. Nowhere in scripture does it say that you are excused if you do something wrong because you are submitting to your husband. That is the wrong definition of, of submitting. If you're submitting and doing something wrong, you do not do that. So you submit. You submit to Christ. Christ submits to God the Father. This is, this is what you do. This is what you do. So when you submit, you open the door for him to lead. You open the door for him to lead. Um, let me just pause here a moment to say this. Guys, these verses are not for us. They're not for us. Sometimes I get, I get a guy that comes up to me and says, isn't there a scripture somewhere in the Bible that says that the woman is supposed to submit? And my response to them is this, well, those verses aren't for you. They aren't for you at all. The, therefore, the ladies, you have other verses in Scripture, but those verses aren't for you. In fact, if you look at this passage of Scripture, you realize that verse 21, where it says, submit in reverence to Christ, to each other, this is just an application that he's making toward ladies. And then he's going to make an application with men in the, in the following verses. But these verses are just for the women. In other words, it is not my responsibility to make Nicole submit to me. It is not my responsibility to do that. It is her responsibility to submit to Christ and follow the plan that he's laid out in Scripture. It's her responsibility. I cannot change my wife. You cannot change your wife. So these verses Aren't, aren't really for me. It's not for me to go home and say, um, honey, you're supposed to submit to me. I mean, that's not the way that this rolls. Okay? Okay, great. So ladies, when you submit, you open the door for him to lead. I, I hear sometimes people, people say, well, my husband doesn't lead. My husband, husband, husband doesn't lead. Sometimes, not all the time, because there's some passive guys Sometimes the reason the husband isn't leading is because you're trying to lead for him. Sometimes you need to step back and let him lead. When you submit, you open the door for your freedom. When you submit, you open the door to be who God created you to be. When you submit. Proverbs 31, I looked at this and was going to make it a part of this, this whole thing, but we just don't have time for it. Proverbs 31, the woman that's described there, is an amazing woman. Have you ever read that passage? She's an absolutely amazing woman. And let me tell you something. That is a woman I wouldn't want to mess with. She's sure of herself. She knows what she's supposed to do. She knows that her job and her role and, and the, what she is supposed to be doing is being a helpmate to the man, to help him out, to help run a family, to help run a solid family. There are, there are goals that happen, this Proverbs 31 woman that she talks to her husband about and they agree upon and then they go forward. This is a, a very strong woman and she can do a lot of things. She can do some things that, honestly, I can't, I, I can't do some of those things that, that's listed in Proverbs 31. And it's, it's an amazing thing. You see, the reason that God set this up is because when you get married, you get married as a unit. You get married as a unit. And so God, 
God tells you to submit to your husband because there's something else going on inside of you that has nothing to do with whether or not you're valuable or whether you should be in control or something like that. It has something else to do with something that you have to be mindful of. Um, Genesis chapter 3, verse 16 says this. The woman, the, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. For your desire shall be contrary to your husband. What is that word? Now, that word contrary has two different meanings that come together, so I'm going to paint it for you. The first meaning is this. Your desire will be to control your husband. That will be your desire. That's a desire that is, be, that is inside of you because of the fall. And so what Paul is saying is it is a fleshly, sinful thing for you to desire to control your husband. And so what I want you to keep in mind is that you need to submit. To offset that, you have got to submit to him and, and not think in terms of how can I control, but how can I help? How can I assist? How can I complete him? If you go to, if you go to ver, uh, chapter 6, verse 1, it says children obey. There's nowhere in Scripture that says that you have to obey your husband. There's nowhere in Scripture that says that. It just says you have to submit. This means that when you talk to him, you talk to him with respect. A lot of people, a lot of ladies do not talk to their husbands with respect. They get very upset. They start poking, 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 poking. Poking, 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 poking. Because man, we, can, we really know what can push some buttons and get people upset, right? And so we slam, we slam, we slam. And every time we slam, our, your, every time you slam your husband with your words, you're disrespecting him. What you need to do is you need to come to him and say, um, honey, I've been thinking about this and... I know that you're sold in this direction, but I have a couple of things that I just want to share. And you just share those things. You don't share them in the terms of, you're just going to do whatever you want to do anyway. Don't say that. It's disrespectful. Say, I really would like us to consider this and going in a different direction. See, a soft word and a respectful word turns around the anger of a man. What you may not realize is this. Men value respect more than they do love. They do. If I was on an island all by myself, I would rather have a bunch of people around me that respected me rather than loved me. And I would go to the bank, though I'm not a woman, and say this. If a woman was on an island, she would want a bunch of people around her that loved her so that they could say kumbaya and just have a moment. Right? And just feel the love right? I don't need love. I need respect because we're getting off the island, okay? I'm not going to be singing kumbaya. We're going to figure out how to make oars. We're going to figure out how to make a raft. We're going to figure out how to get off the island. I, you need leadership. I nominate myself to get us off this island. I mean, that's, that's how a guy, you know, a guy thinks. A woman is, is more loving. So when you show love, when you show respect to your man, you get into his heart, 
Now, this is what I know about my own experience in marriage. I do not forget anything my wife tells me. And if I have, I don't remember them anyway. But if there's a conversation where we are trying to decide on something, those are moments I don't forget what she tells me. I don't forget that. In fact, I will not let her know sometimes that she has impacted me and that I'm thinking about what she suggested. Can I be that honest? Sometimes, oh, come on. Sometimes it's like, yeah, it it looks like I'm ignored, but really I'm thinking about it, right? Yeah, yeah, men, that's next week. But nonetheless, but I can tell you this, there's nothing that she says that I don't mull over in my mind. There's nothing that she says that, that when I make a decision or when, when we're going to decide on something together that I don't mull over in my brain and try to figure out if I'm really going the right way or not. But you say, Philip, Philip, I can't submit because, because he, he's a moron. He, he's an idiot. I mean, I, you don't, you, I cannot, let me just tell you a couple of things that he has come up with. That is just ridiculous things, right? I want you to look at this verse. Your desire shall be contrary to his. Women think in this direction and guys think in this direction. That's how it works. Of course, you're not gonna understand the way he's thinking. He doesn't understand why you're thinking the what you're thinking. We, we re, I recently had an interaction with, with someone and we were, we were trying to buy some, some, some flowers for the funeral this afternoon. I'll just go ahead and tell you, it's, it's Katie. We're, we're working in the office, we're doing this. So I, in my practical nature of mine, am being right all the time. That's a joke, it's a joke, don't, don't get too upset. I wanted to give a plant because I think a plant will last longer. I think it's, you, you spend the money, it's going to last longer. And she picked out a bunch of just floral arrangements because that's, that's what she would, because she's kind of, now I'm not married to her, so I'm married to Nicole, but she would put, but it, the, yeah, the, you would put the contrary this way and you'd put the contrary this way and she's thinking beauty and, and flowers and oh, it's just so great and, and you know, it's just, oh, Oh, you know, like this, and I'm thinking, good night, we're spending 8,900, I mean, good, this got to last. I mean, we, we've got to, are you with me on all that? So two totally different ways of, of thinking. Of course, he's going to think differently. It's contrary. That's the brilliance of it. Do you understand? That's the brilliance of it. It's, it's not that this is right and this is the way. It is not really that this is right and this is the way. It's when you merge those two ideas together, you come up with better decisions. You come up with a better way to go, a more solid way to go because this person is supposed to complete this person. And if this person is making all the decisions, you're not complete. And if this person is making all the decisions on his own without listening to anybody, you're not complete. Of course you're going to think his ideas are stupid. Of course you are. 
You're not going to understand where he's coming from. You're not going to understand the logic of how you got there. But let me tell you something. He is just as smart as you are. He is just as wise as you are. Just because you're different doesn't mean the other person is stupid. Come on, church. So you submit. You submit and you say, okay, I'm going to approach him correctly. I'm going to approach him with respect. I'm not going to jab at him. And I'm going, to re- I'm going to approach him as somebody that just has a different point of view. He just has a different point of view. And I need to listen to him to see how my view is supposed to change. Is everybody tracking? It is a team effort. You will do your whole family a disservice if you do not talk in the relationship. You will do your family a disservice if you do not activate your gifts and bring them into the relationship to make a better day for your family. You will do a disservice to them. You're supposed to be, have input, but that input is submissive. It's not input with the view to control the relationship. It's input to kind of get to a better day to where we're doing something better. Is everybody with me on this? That is submission. You submit your willingness to control. I have seen men that will not listen to their wives and they become little boys and idiots. I've seen women who will not listen to their husbands and they are going to be in control and they're still little girls playing with little Barbie dolls and they're just not better. Is that fair enough? To mature, you get married, you work with the opposite sex, you work with the different points of view and you work together as a team and that takes submission, submission to the man. So the reason I had this up here today is just in case someone threw something. So I will finish out the survey right here. Okay, yeah, there you go. All right. So a few things. Let me find them because this is always planned, but it never goes as planned. Okay, so we submit, you submit to your husband as Christ submits to the church according to Ephesians. Now, how do you, let me ask you a question, how do you submit to Christ? Well, that's easy. Christ tells me or gives me a directive to do something or, or, you know, I'm praying about something and he guides me, I go in that direction, right? Would you agree with that? Like Christ. So if you're supposed to submit to Christ, you're supposed to submit to your husband How does it look? Does it look differently when you submit to your husband than it does to Christ? The answer to that question is, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Your children need to see your submissiveness to Christ when you submit to your husband. They need to see that. They need to see that you are not pushing against the authority structure that the Bible has uh, put into place. They need to see that. They need to see that because families are falling apart. The reason families are falling apart is because these two people cannot get along. 
There's other reasons. But these two people can't get along. And there's a war on the family. There's a war on the family. And Christ, being the person that you look to, is the one that unifies this because Christ has the authority to unify everything up underneath him. Well, Philip, I, I can't respect my husband. I, he, you just, he just, I can't respect him. I can't, I, can I list some of the things that he did this week where I can show you that I don't respect him? No, you can't. Because your respect for him has nothing to do with whether or not he earned it because this guy has. Jesus Christ has done everything for you to respect him the rest of your days. And Jesus says that God the Father is the head of me, I'm the head of man, and I'm the head of woman. This is who you respect, and you show that respect to man. You show that respect to your husband, even though he doesn't deserve it even though he doesn't deserve it. I know people can be idiots. I see it all the time. Hey, sometimes when I wake up in the morning and I'm combing my hair, I see one in front of me. I don't know where he came from. You know, people can be idiots. Your respect for him has to be because you respect and reverence Christ. In Ephesians chapter five, verse 21, it says these words, and I'm I'm going to, um, to read those. Verse 21, it says this. Um, oh, I'm in Corinthians. Verse 21 says this, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So let's think about that in a moment. Jesus Christ, reverence means wow. Wow. This perfect being loves me. This perfect being has made me part of his family. Wow. When you're thinking about the wow, you also think about wow, the love that he showed me. While I was still sinners, he died for me on the cross. While I was still a sinner, he died for me on the cross. God loves me. Wow, what a love, and I love him back. And, and so it's a wow and it's a love, and, and you're like, oh, this is just great. And then there's a passion that happens. Christ was passionate for me, endured pain on the cross. He was passionate enough to make me a part of that family. And and that's just an amazing thing. So it's like the reverence is like, wow, I love Jesus. Love for him is absolutely incredible. And the reverence for him is, is just unmatched. It's just unmatched. So this verse says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Ladies, your submission to your husband is out of the reverence for Christ. So when you stand and you go, wow, and all that love that you have in between you and the Savior and all that passion that you have between you and the Savior is supposed to then be taken, not from Christ, but taken and push toward your man, toward your husband. Wow. Love. 
Wow, love, passion. Christ, out of reverence, I'm going to submit to my husband. I'm going to love him. I'm going to be passionate toward him out of reverence for Christ. He's a moron, but I'm going to love him anyway because Christ loved me. I don't understand what in the world he's thinking. He's on another world, some other planet. I don't get it. He's so unemotional. What a, oh, but I love him and I'm passionate for him. Even though I don't understand him. When I am before Jesus and thinking about him, guess who I don't understand? Christ. Is there stuff I understand about him? Absolutely. Stuff I understand about him. He's God. He's my creator. But there's a lot about Jesus I don't understand. Want me to give you one? How can you be fully God and fully man? I don't know. The last time math, you did math, 100% of anything, 100% God, 100% man, doesn't work mathematically. It, it doesn't... There's no equation that makes that work. I don't care if you're common core or you do the real math. You, you, can't, you can't wrap your mind around. There's things about Christ that I don't understand. You can show reverence and love and passion towards your man because you're in awe of Jesus Christ. He doesn't have to earn it. It is not based on if he was a good boy that day. You're a good boy, so I will make you your favorite meal. It's not based on that. You're a good boy, so I'll, so I'll love you today and respect you today. No, he doesn't even have to earn your respect. He already has. You respect him because you respect Christ. So I, I'm not a woman but I wrote down some things that I thought maybe you would be thinking. I never want to think like a woman. I just, I'm very thankful that I am a man. It's an easier life. It, it's just things that y'all have to go through and I'm just not going to list them here because it'd be kind of awkward, but nonetheless, I'm just thankful. This is simple. This is just simple, right? There, there's nothing, yeah, wow. There's no roller coaster happening right here. Just glad of that. So, you treat him like he treats Christ. This might be what you're thinking. But men are pigs. <laughs> they smell bad. They come in. I don't understand them. There, there's no etiquette with them. I've had to teach him etiquette. I've had to do this. I've had to do that. I've had to help him structure him. Of course you had to structure. Of course you had to help him. But that doesn't mean that you don't respect him. It means that you do. You respect and you submit and you work together as a team. That is submission. That's submission. That is submission. Um, if you're in the room and you're single, pick the right person. <laughs> okay? Pick the right person. If you do not pick the right person, it's not good, but oh my goodness, pick the right person. There is a passion for Jesus, and then there's another type of passion that blinds you in a way that you really shouldn't be blind, blinded, 
you need to get past this particular passion that really should be in marriage, but you, you really need to get past this passion so you can see clearly so that you can make a right choice. But please be careful who you, who you choose. And then to wrap this up, I want to say this. One day, ladies, you're going to stand before Jesus. You're going to stand before Jesus. And when you stand before Jesus, he is not going to ask you this question. Were you happy? He's not going to ask you that question. You see, this structure is not to make you happy. It's to make you complete. This structure is not to make it all about you and your happiness. It's to make you a servant. So when you stand before Jesus one day, he's going to say, hey, how did you serve your husband? And you're going to have to give an account for that. Well, Lord, I didn't serve him. I tried to control him. Well, you really should have served him. Or, yes, Lord, I tried my best. You know it was difficult. And Jesus might say, yes, it was very difficult, and I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for submitting. I'm proud of you for doing everything that you possibly could do to serve your husband because when you did that, you honored me. Well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that what you want to hear? Yeah, that is what you want to hear. Let's pray.